Hello everyone, my name is Charles, the lead pastor here. Welcome to Zoom Sunday service at the river. We're so glad you could join us. With the new year, we started a new sermon series called Understanding the Bible Through Jesus. Because what lens we use to interpret the Bible really changes what we get out of it. And we all have our bias when we read the Bible. Make no mistake, if we are like the Pharisees, we will focus on the rules. And even though they revered the Bible, they misunderstood it so much that when God appeared to them, they killed the God incarnate. This tells us that our devotion to God or our righteous passion is no guarantee that we are reading the Bible right. There have been many, many prominent righteous, devoted Bible teachers and Christians who were totally mistaken, like Stephen Alexander, who fought tooth and nail for slavery, preaching that the Bible clearly taught slavery was ordained by God. That's no different than those 9-11 terrorists who killed 3,000 people out of their misguided devotion to God. That's why we must make sure that we are using the lens of love, faith, and hope when reading the Bible. Because Jesus told us, everything in the Bible hangs on agape love. We must have faith that God loves us all, every single one of us. No matter how much guilt and shame we carry inside, no matter how much we judge those people for some reason, no matter who anyone is, we are all loved because our faith tells us that our worth and standing before God is established by Jesus on the cross, not by anything about us. That is the assurance of salvation that gives us hope unfailing, even when we lose confidence in ourselves. God is always on your side. Amen. That's our faith. And when we look at the Bible with such faith, all the passages come alive afresh with relevant lessons for today. So we're going to go through all the major characters in the Bible one by one chronologically. We started with creation and fall described in Genesis chapters 1 through 3. And today we address Genesis chapter 4, the well-known story of Cain and Abel, the two sons of Adam and Eve. Most of you know the story, but here it is. Genesis chapter 4, verses 2 through 16. When they grew up, Abel became a shepherd, while Cain cultivated the ground. When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel's gift, but he did not accept Cain's gift. This made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. Why are you so angry? The Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do well. But if you refuse to do well, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you, 
but you must subdue it and be its master. One day, Cain suggested to his brother, let's go out into the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Afterward, the Lord asked Cain, where is your brother? Where is Abel? I don't know, Cain responded. Am I my brother's keeper? But the Lord said, What have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are cursed and banished from the ground, which has swallowed your brother's blood. No longer will the ground yield good crops for you, no matter how hard you work. From now on, you will be a homeless wanderer on the earth. Cain replied to the Lord, My punishment is too great for me to bear. You have banished me from the land and from your presence. You have made me a homeless wanderer. Anyone who finds me will kill me. The Lord replied, No, for I will give, you, give a sevenfold punishment to anyone who kills you. Then the Lord put a mark on Cain, to warn anyone who might try to kill him. So Cain left the Lord's presence and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Well-known story. The usual understanding of this story is Cain did not please God because his offering was not good enough. Cain then struggles with sin in his heart, jealousy, anger, violence, which spins out of control, and Cain ends up murdering Abel. He tries to deny his crime, but God is always watching as if God was some kind of big brother Santa, keeps a list. So God catches Cain and punishes him with exile. So the lesson here then is control your bad passions like anger, pride, envy, lust, or God will punish you. This interpretation comes so natural to us because it's been drummed into our heads since kindergarten. Control yourself. Don't eat all the cookies by yourself. Share your toys. Don't fight with your siblings. You will be punished. We are so used to these kindergarten lessons. This is our default bias when we read the Bible. But what if the Bible is deeper than kindergarten stuff? I mean, how is our faith any different than all the other religions and teachings out there if this is all that the Bible is about. So let's take a deeper look with more respect for the Bible. Remember the fall described in the creation and fall story that came just before. The problem was called the knowledge of good and evil. The problem was not called doing evil. The problem was judging for ourselves what is bad when God had already called everything in creation good. Please listen to that sermon from January 3rd if you haven't yet. It sets up so much of what is to come in this sermon series, including this sermon. Anyway, the result of the fall is this internal sense of shame and inadequacy and judgment towards oneself, then towards God, and then other humans. That is the original sin that leads to all the other sins. In fact, this passage is, is about Cain and Abel under the dynamic of the fall 
It shows us exactly how the knowledge of good and evil leads to all the other terrible sins like murder. Because look what happens with Cain. When his offering gets rejected, Cain begins to stew. He is greatly troubled as if he himself were rejected. The real problem here is Cain cannot distinguish between the rejection of his offering with rejection of himself. He cannot just brush it off. Oh well, I'll just do better next time. It's just an offering. There will be another time. That's God's advice. God says, why are you so angry? Why do you look so dejected? You'll be accepted if you do well. God is saying, Cain, why are you stewing? Just do better next time. And you'll be fine. Just an offering. But Cain takes rejection of his offering as a judgment on himself. He eats from the tree of knowledge of good and bad. He feels judged and rejected as being inadequate, a failure, naked, needing some covering to solve his wounded pride. And that pain leads to dark thoughts in his head. Cain begins to blame Abel. Abel is showing him him up. Abel is accepted by God. He's better than Cain. And Abel is to blame for all the pain in his heart. Just like Adam blamed Eve for the fall. Remember? He said, the woman you put here with me, it's all her fault. Cain does the same thing here with disastrous results. In a way, this story is just another way of describing the fall of humanity. It's the same exact dynamic. The fall happens over and over again in the Bible. And it continues to today. It's all around us. Our culture assigns value and worth to each individual depending on our achievements, performances, status. This is why social media is so popular and so toxic. Did you know the amount of time we spend on Facebook is correlated with unhappiness? It's because we compare each other to judge where we stand. Those with better degrees from better schools. Like the story I told last, last sermon about my relative. Uh, he graduated from the second best medical school in Korea. And that became the source of his everlasting shame because his siblings went to the best school. Just like Cain, this internal thought that he's a loser compared to his siblings haunted him all his life. We too look at other people. Someone close to us gets a promotion, has a great vacation, great home, great abs. Hmm. What happens inside our heads? Are we behind? Are we losers? We want to take them down a notch, don't we? Or we have to do one better. These thoughts eat at us from inside out. This is tree of knowledge of good and bad at work. No wonder there's an explosion of anxiety disorders, eating disorders, all around us, even as social media exploded. All these mental health issues have a lot to do with confusion about uh, 
our attributes determining our self-worth. We have today an epidemic of failure to distinguish between self-esteem and self-worth. Self-esteem is based on your achievements, your good characteristics like your wisdom, your strength, your success, your social standing, your offering in Cain's case. But self-worth is about who you are, not what you do. It's an inner confidence that cannot be shaken. And Christian faith is based on rooting your self-worth in the agape love of God shown by the cross. That can never change. You are worth the life of God incarnate. You are beloved forever. Live your life from this faith, everything will change for you. You will not end up like Cain. You will be able to rise up from your failures. You will be able to brush off your uh, failings. I'll do better next time. Such resilience is critical for your happiness and your eventual success in life. You will live from hope and confidence rather than always being afraid of failing, of being shown up for who you really are with all your weaknesses. May God bless you all with such faith and confidence. Amen. Cain, unfortunately, did not have such faith. Rather, he lives out of tree of judging. All that stewing in pain, the blame gets directed at Abel, reducing Abel to one dimension as a source of his pain. There were siblings. With one must have been a complicated relationship. They must have had good times, but also sibling rivalry, if they were like any other siblings out there. But all that now gets reduced to one dimension, one dynamic. Abel is showing me up. Abel is the source of my pain. This is how dehumanization begins. This happens all over the world throughout history. In Nazi Germany, they said Jews are the source of all Germany's problems. They were at fault for the defeat of Germany. Entire people groups often get reduced to one dimension when the dominant group feels insecure. They said, these Jews are running the world behind the scenes. They are to blame for all our pain. Jews became caricatures dehumanized. Nazis said Jews kidnapped German children for ritual sacrifices. So many millions of Germans believed such rubbish. But doesn't that ring a bell with today's QAnon theories? Liberal elites are kidnapping children. You can dehumanize people with such stories. You can rationalize whatever you do against them with such beliefs. It's unbelievable how history repeats itself with same dynamic, with same stuff. In communist countries, it was the capitalists, the bourgeois reactionaries became one-dimensional enemies of the people. Racism also 
has the same dynamic. It reduces human beings to one dimension. Pretty much all the great evils of human history had this component of dehumanization. Slavery, Stalin's Russia, China's Great Deep Ford, Cambodia's Killing Fields happens again and again. And it happens at the individual level too. All around us, whenever sin and crime is committed, there is some rationalization in the mind that dehumanizes the victim. The victim deserved it. The women asked for it. If I don't do it to you, you will do it to me. It's dog-eat-dog world, isn't it? I can cheat and lie because the system cheats and lies. Why can't I have it when those fat cats who don't deserve it have so much? Anything can be defended. Anything can be rationalized when you have dehumanized the victims. Every evil passion, greed, envy, pride, deceit, harmful ambitions, all the cardinal sins are caused by the gaping hole in every human heart that cries out, you are not enough. You need more. You are naked. You need to cover up who you are with success and wealth and social acceptance. You need more. This is the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and bad as described by Genesis 3. The problem is, nothing is ever enough. Once you get caught up in internal sense of inadequacy, you will never be happy. You will get trapped in a treadmill. Cain got trapped in this hell. But God has compassion on Cain. Even Cain, who murdered his own brother. Do you see God put a mark on Cain to protect him and preserve him? This is God's unconditional agape love. Now don't go thinking, hey, the way to get God's protection is to murder people. That's what the Bible says. God, no. God does not approve of God, Cain's murder. That act is rejected just like Cain's offering. But God does not reject Cain. What Cain was afraid of, being rejected in who he is, that fear was never true. It's an illusion, a phantom anxiety that leads us to evil. God doesn't reject Cain even after he murders Abel. God protects him. God rejects evil. We need to feel guilt and shame about our actions that harm others but never feel guilt and shame about who you are. God rejects Cain's murder, but God does not reject Cain. Do you see? Can we be mature enough to distinguish between the two? I hope so. Surely we can. God is always on our side, but God is not always cheering what we do. We need to feel guilt and shame when we do wrong and do better next time but have faith in God's love for your core self. Live from agape love and faith and hope. Unconditionally believe in your worth. Unconditionally have hope in your future. Unconditionally love yourself and others. Live from such faith and you will not get trapped in evil and misery. Instead, we will live in God's love, in life in all its fullness. Amen.
Now, please join us on our Zoom Sunday service、um, discussion group that starts at 11:45. I'd love to hear your thoughts today, and I hope you can join us in, in, in Zoom live Sunday service that begins at 11 that leads into a discussion. It's a great, great time to reflect and discuss with each other practical applications and what we can do about all these things. God bless you. Bye.